1: and the host of this show. Naomi Beatty is a screenwriter, script consultant, and screenwriting instructor, instructor, including teaching Save the Cat, online beat workshops, and in-person weekend intensive workshops. She's read thousands of scripts and worked with hundreds of writers, first as a junior development executive at Madonna and Guyo Series Maverick Films, and currently as a consultant to writers, directors, and producers at all levels. Naomi assisted Blake Snyder in researching and breaking down the 50 movies included in Save the Cat Goes to the Movies and was also an editor of Save the Cat Goes to the Indies, The Screenwriter's Guide to 50 Films from the Masters. And Carol, I know you're a major
0: fan of Blake Snyder's tactics in screenwriting. Oh Claire I love him. I think that he's got such an incredible sense of humor and uh, I have it on CD so I get to listen when I'm driving and half the time I'm in hysterics listening to him. And it's a it's a wonderful way to you feel like you really get to know Blake. Uh even though he's on the other side he's still teaching us these basics. And we really thank you Naomi for joining us. So uh, we appreciate the fact that you knew Blake and we want you to tell us how you knew him. Oh, sure. Um, thank you for having me. Sorry. I'm a little scratchy today. Um, let's see. I,
2: I met Blake when I had my first job in Hollywood, which was working for a producer manager who knew Blake. And so Blake would call on the phone and stop into the office to see my boss. And he was just such a friendly and genuine um, you know, genuinely curious sort of guy that we ended up chatting and getting to know each other. So, you know, we talked about writing and movies a lot, as you do. And eventually, when he started working on his second book in the Save the Cat series, um, he asked if I would help with the research for the book, which I did. So our
0: friendship began there. Oh, wonderful. Well, let's get the three books uh, all outlined. So the first book is Save the Cat. Uh, the last book on screenwriting that you'll ever need. And then the second book, what was the title? So the second book is Save the Cat Goes to the Movies,
2: and that one breaks down the structure of 50 different movies.
0: Wow. That's quite a, a research book. Yes, no wonder. <laughs> so you help with that. Yeah. And then the third one uh, is what? Save the Cat Goes to the Indies? That's the third book? Um, no, actually, the
2: third one is Save the Cat Strikes Back. Um,
0: uh-huh. more, tr- more
2: trouble for screenwriters to get into and out of. So that's the complete title. Uh, and, then, and then you're right, there are several more books. So there's um, after Blake passed on, uh, his, his legacy was sort of continued by, by different people that he mentored and worked with. And so there's a, there's a book called Save the Cat Goes to the Indies, which kind of takes the template of Save the Cat Goes to the Movies breaks down um, a bunch of indie films uh, by structure, so you can kind of see how they work. And then there's also Blake's blog, which is a compilation of, of um, the blogs that, that Blake wrote before he passed on. And there's also Save the Cat uh, Writes a Novel, which is the most recent one, and that one is um, you know, specifically geared towards novel writers, but it takes all of the principles of Save the Cat and, and applies them um, to novel writing. And, oh my gosh, um,
0: that would be <laughs> terrific! I I'm trying to think if there's anything that I'm missing. Um, that might be it. Well, you teach Blake's information in classes, right? Tell us about that. Yeah,
2: so um, I'm I'm one of two teachers who lead the online and in-person Save the Cat writing workshops. Um, we let's see the the online classes are five weeks, and then we have the in-person weekend workshops that are more sort of weekend intensive. That's what we call them. It's two days where writers show up with maybe an idea, maybe a few kind of half ideas, and we, we um, sort of choose one and shape it and work on um, getting the log line solid and then moving through kind of the, the basics of structure. We talk about um, you know, your protagonist and the conflict and we work out the, the full fifteen beats over the course of the weekend. So basically you leave the workshop with a complete beat sheet for your for your story idea.
0: Great. Well um, and you work as a consultant for screenwriters, but tell me something. What stage of script writing do you suggest that people contact a consultant when they finish the first draft or when they're halfway through or when? Yeah, that's a a really good question. And a lot of people do ask that. Um, I think,
2: you know, I usually say just as a very general rule of thumb that it might be time to work with a consultant when you've taken the script as far as you can go on your own. So, you know, that doesn't mean that you want to take every script to a consultant, but if you have a that you're trying to get to a certain level or reach a certain goal with, um, and you've, you know, you've worked on it, you've written drafts or whatever, and you've, you've gotten it to the point where you feel like there's more to be done, but you're not sure what that more is, then it's probably time to work with either a teacher or a consultant, someone who can bring, you know, different experience and a fresh perspective to whatever you're doing.
0: Well, I know that Blake used consultants whenever he would get stuck. He, I think it was Mike Cheetah that he used, and so it happens to everybody. Uh, or you think you're okay, and then all of a sudden you realize that you've got a problem, and it was someone. And when someone else looks at it, it may be a very simple solution, but you're too close yeah. to see it. Yes, definitely. I think that's one of the
2: one of the biggest challenges with you know, screenwriting, writing screenplays, um, especially feature scripts is that so often you're writing in a vacuum. You know, you're one person alone in a room trying to work out an entire world and cast of characters <laughs> in your head. So I think it's very easy to get too close to your, to your story and not be able to really see the forest for the trees anymore. And it
0: definitely, definitely helps to have,
2: yes. you know, a new perspective.
0: Well, today I want to cover a lot of Blake's concepts. I want to talk about the importance of the log line, and then I want to go over the green light checklist that he has and um, basically get some of the top things that people really don't know. I mean, I talk to people who have written their screenplay and they still don't have the log line. Completed, or they say this is a working log line. There's no irony in it, and it doesn't tell you any story. So um, I, I was shocked when I started listening to the tapes. And the first thing he said was, "I know you're dying to get started, but do not start writing your script until you have the log line." So tell us why. Oh, well, I mean, what's great about writing a log
2: line first? is that a logline can really be the first sort of iteration of your story development. You know, um, in your logline, basically, you're going to work out the, the foundation, the essentials of your story. At least that's, that's what should be included in a good logline. So, you know, if you can get the foundation of your story solid in one sentence, um, that, that gives you a head start. It, it's an easier way, I think, or a quicker way to sort of play around with story possibilities and to um, kind of, you know, test the story that you have in mind because you're only working with one sentence, you know. So it's a, it's a sort of pain-free way to start to firm up your story. Um, and if you have all of the essentials in your story figured you out in one sentence, then you're off to a really good start.
0: Well, I know... That he says you need two good adjectives to describe um, your protagonist and your hero, and so that we get an essence of who they are. Is that right? Um, yeah, I think it's a good
2: idea. You know, you, what you want to include in your log line about your protagonist is really um, sort of the, the key thing that's important for your audience to know about them as it's relevant to the story that you're telling. You know, if you're telling a story about um, a woman who needs to, uh, I don't know, decide, you know, between her career and her family, um, it might be important for your audience to know she's a single mom. It might not be important for them to know that she um, is a professional or not professional, that she was an amateur tap dancer in junior high. You know, like there are details that that might be part of your character, but they're not really key to understanding the conflict in your story, which is really what you're trying to convey in that logline.
0: Okay, and why irony? Well, I think trying to get some irony
2: in your logline is a way to ensure that you're thinking about the conflict in your story either the external, you know, concrete sort of conflict of a, of a physical um, matchup or some sort of emotional conflict that, you know, this person that you're describing is either the best or the worst person to sort of embark on this, on this journey.
0: Right. Well, I love uh, one of the examples he put in. I think I've got it memorized. <clears throat> a wealthy businessman hires a hooker for the weekend and falls in love. And mm-hmm. yeah. I can see the film from that long line, Wealthy Businessman. Well, that's exactly what Richard Gere was. You could tell from the clothes he wore and the way he walked and acted. He was just a wealthy man. And uh, and yeah. when he hired uh, her, she was. She was dressed like a girl and she acted like one. And uh, and then they both made such changes in themselves. Uh, and that's what Blake said, that everybody in the cast, or in the top five or six people, except for the, uh, the bad guy, they don't change. But most of the other people ha- uh, show that they have changed during the film. And I was surprised to hear that, but it's very true, isn't it?
2: Yeah, well, I think um, that really speaks to the fact that movies, you know, the, the movies that reach us emotionally and and sort of have an impact on us do that because movies are about transformative experiences. We're watching someone go through a transformation because of the events of the movie, right? So, of course, you know, we, we want to see that, and, and that's what the best movies deliver to us are stories about people who – go through something, probably go through something difficult and are changed because of it, hopefully for the better.
0: Right. Well, um, let's get into three of the most common stumbles that I see uh, with log lines. Uh, This is something you wrote starting with stopping at the setup. Oh, sure. Um, So let's see,
2: you know, a log line because – it's really supposed to sort of describe your screenplay's main dramatic through line. Um, you know, as I said before, an effective logline tells us like the essential foundation pieces of your story, the, the, the pieces that your story is really built on. Um, so one of the, one of the issues that I see in a lot of loglines, you know, that are, that people are trying to write is that, um, the logline will give us the setup of the story, which is great. A lot of times that's, you need that in the logline, but then it'll stop there. And it won't really convey to us um, what's happening in act two. Right. And that's, that's the, that's the meat of your story. That's really what your movie is. If you're writing a heist movie, the heist takes place in act two. And we kind of need to know that in order to know um, sort of what we're getting in that movie. Um, I, you know, if we if we look at, like, sort of the, the very basic definition of a story, right, it's someone wants something and goes after it against great odds, and that gives you all the essential foundation pieces of your story, but the goes after it against great odds part is, is act two, and so that's what we need to know in your logline, and a lot of times that's the part that's overlooked. Um, it's also, you know, if you're pitching something high concept, it's the fun and games of the story, probably. It's that that promise of the premise that, that Blake talks about. Um, so that's the good stuff in your story. You want to make sure that you have that in your logline or some indication of it so that whoever you're, you're telling your logline to understands what kind of movie they're getting.
1: Carol, are you still with us?
0: Yes. I'm just saying that I love the writer for Hell in High Water. I think that he has done a marvelous job with that, that script. And evidently, Paramount did, too, because they hired him to do Yellowstone. But when you talk about that, you say that it it isn't just about the brothers' plan to rob those banks. It's about them trying to keep it together long enough to execute that plan before they're caught by the lawmen on their tail to get the stolen money to their bank before the foreclosure deadline come hell or high water. So... um, Tell us more about that. It's the setup, right? Yeah, so I would say
2: that the movie Hell or High Water is, isn't just about
0: these two brothers
2: deciding to rob banks, right? We start the movie knowing that already. It's really about how far they're willing to go to complete that mission, how, you know, to what extremes they're willing to compromise in order to achieve that goal. So that's... Um, that's a good example of, you know, you wouldn't want to just pitch that movie as two brothers decide to, to or two brothers go on a bank robbing spree. That's, that's like half the movie.
0: What it's really about
2: is about the two brothers trying to hold it together long enough to get the money to the bank. Right. Um, yes. With these, with these very driven lawmen on their tail. So it's a more complete version of the
0: story. I think if you include more. More of what's happening in Act Two. And yes, Act Two becomes the most important part. That's what tells <laughs> us what kind of a movie we're buying. Okay, so exactly um, your second point was no Act Two in *Logan*. Yeah, so
2: so that probably sounds a little bit similar to the first one, which was stopping after the setup, right? But it's actually um, it's a it's a different point that I that I wanted to make with that one,
1: which is that.
2: A lot of times in log lines, what we see is um, a little bit of, like, writer sleight of hand. So, you know, a writer will, will pitch an idea and think that they're including what happens in Act 2, but what they're actually describing for Act 2 is not enough to fill a screenplay. So, um, you know, Act 2 is Act Two is all about your character pursuing their story goal. And that goal should be something that's difficult to achieve in order for it to sustain an entire screenplay, right? So um, a lot of times, you know, the, the writer's sleight of hand that we see is that um, the logline will include something like, A, you know, a such and such protagonist must decide whether to stay home or go away to college or or whatever the the concept is. But decide or choose or realize those are all sort of transitive, you know, actions, things that can be done in a second, right? So if you have something like that in your log line, um, it it might be a problem. It's not always, but it's enough to sort of, you know, go back and and look at what you really have happening in the story and, and look at whether you have enough for a screenplay because if the entire act two depends on one character making a choice, that is potentially problematic.
0: Yes, I would think so. <laughs> All right. Let's go to tip number three, which is detail overload. Yeah. So this is probably
2: the, the most common um issue in log lines which is that and it it really happens when someone is writing a log line for a screenplay that they've already completed right so sometimes we write log lines in advance of writing the screenplay and that's that's in an effort to figure out the story before we start writing um but sometimes we write log lines after the screenplay is done and that's when we're trying to you know come up with a log line that we can use to pitch a story right and um times when we've already written the screenplay, like I was saying before, it, we, we know we're so intimately involved in the story and we know all the details and we love all the details because it's something we've written and um, fallen in love with the characters or the world or the you know, little plot twists that you came up with. And sometimes knowing all those things makes it difficult to write a nice, clean,
0: streamlined,
2: simple log line because we're trying to cram everything we know into that one sentence. And so I just think that um, this is probably the most common thing that I see, but it's actually probably the easiest one to address because it it means that you know a lot about your story. You just need to sort of pull back on the details that you're including. Um, So, you know, when you're writing a log line, you really want to think brevity and clarity because you're just trying to convey the essential core of the story to whoever you're telling your logline to, um, and so that's you. You want to go simple. You want to go straightforward. Um, my my biggest tip there, if this is if this is the category that you find yourself in, is you know identify the essentials of your story first: the protagonist, the story goal, and the antagonist or the conflict. Get all of those essential elements out first, write them down, and then try to arrange them into a sentence, and then add detail, whatever unique detail you, know, you have for your story, add it later. After you have that simple sort of straightforward description of your story, it's going to sound very plain probably, um, but once you have that, that very solid foundation, then you can add the unique detail that will help pitch your story in a unique
0: way. So that's the protagonist, the goals, and the, um, and the bad guy. Yeah, the um, yeah, because that's the, the
2: basic, you know, the, when we always come back to like the basic description of a story is someone wants something and goes after it against great odds, right? And so yes. those are the essentials that you need in your story. It's the someone is the protagonist, wants something, that's the story goal and then the goes-after-it-against-great-odds is is your antagonist, and that will convey
0: the conflict that's at the heart of your story. Okay. All right. Sounds so simple, but <laughs> <laughs> I help people with this all the time. And you're right. I find that when they have like a three- or four-sentence log line, it's, oh, goody, now, now we can get down to the core, at <laughs> least – They've got too much in there, and, the, and it's easier to take it away to find it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all about stripping it back to the, the
2: essentials and then adding, you know, adding detail or unique sort of stuff um, once you have that foundation solid.
0: Okay. Well, let's go to his green light checklist. And so can you give us some of those once you think that you've really got it finished? Uh my, uh my friend, Jeff Garden, who runs uh, a beautiful writing company here, uh, Writer's Boot Camp, he says when you have finished your screenplay, you were 7% finished, the first draft. <laughs> so it's, he thinks it's more about rewriting. So this is where the green light checklist would go to work, Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, I would totally agree with
2: Jeff. <laughs> I think that's definitely true. Um, it is all about the rewriting. Um, and the the Green Light checklist is really it's it's a list of fifty questions that Blake came up with and it's aimed at being a guide to help you critique your own material or any screenplay that you're trying to analyze. And it the fifty questions are, you know, are geared towards getting at the heart of all Kinds of script development issues, things that are often overlooked, or, or just you know, in the shuffle of getting the screenplay completed, we sort of forgot to pay attention to this one thing. So it's a way to diagnose any issues that might appear in a script, and it covers everything. It covers everything from um, from the title to what happens in each section of the story, to the emotional shifts in each scene. Um, to character arcs, to the necessity of minor characters. It's really comprehensive, and the idea is just, it, you know, it's a checklist. It's sort of, like, prompts to make you think about each of these aspects of the screenplay because sometimes we forget to think about them when we're writing. So, Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I can give you a couple of examples of what's on the checklist. Um, let's see. Covers. It does cover the log line, so um, that's it, you know, because we start there with story development. Um, let's see. It covers the opening image, which is one of the 15 beats on the, on the, the beat sheet that we use for Save the Cat. Um, so the opening image should sort of convey the tone of the story, and it should put us in the right mood for the type of story that, or, you know, type of movie that it is. Um, and it also usually gives us a before shot of the world or the main character, right? So it's, the, it's sort of the point A on their, their transformation of point A to point Z. Um, a lot of times the opening image will give us a clear snapshot of what that point A is. And so those are all things that are on the green light checklist just under the opening image um, header, right? So it's three questions to kind of vet your opening image. Other things that it covers are the theme stated. You know, we talk a lot in Save the Cat about making sure that the 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 what's it about is really clear early on, so that people have sort of a a, um, you know an organizing principle to understand your story through. Um, So, so some of the items on the Greenlight checklist are, you know, is there is there a thematic premise being raised? That's a good question to ask yourself. Um, you know, is it primal is it is it based on or is it sort of talking about an issue or a a question or a life stage that will feel um, that will feel primal that will really get at your your target audience's um core concerns um, or things that they'll relate to um and then, yeah, and then the green light checklist really just covers sort of step by step or, or section by section through the script, it covers the setup and um, structural plot points like the catalyst and the break into two. Um, it makes you, makes you sort of evaluate your, your minor characters to, to sort of ask yourself whether they're really important or ne- necessary to the story, which is good because a lot of times you'll end up with a lot of supporting characters that could be combined, you know, that's one of those mm-hmm. challenges.
0: Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's really comprehensive. And that is uh, book three.
2: The, yeah. Uh, so that so one the is the
0: cat strikes back. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think
2: um, I think as we had sort of discussed before, there there's a, a, um, a an original version of a checklist in the first book, but this is the one that was expanded into fifty questions, and it's actually. Um, you know, because it is such a nice, like, comprehensive checklist for evaluating stories, it's um, it's the checklist that was used to to base the evaluating criteria on for the um, the Save the Cat screenplay contest. So it's you know it's sort of like walking the walk, right? If you've gone through this 50 point checklist and your story meets
0: all these things, you're probably in pretty good shape. Well, tell us about the Save the Cat screenwriting contest. Oh, sure. Um, so it's actually the
2: first year for, this, for the contest, and um, it's pretty exciting. I think a lot of people have asked over the years why Save the Cat doesn't have a screenwriting competition, and so this year they decided to go ahead and, and have one. Um, and the idea is really to, again, to sort of walk the walk, right, to, to have a contest, that evaluate screenplays on the same criteria that, that um, you know, that we teach and that the industry uses as, um, as ways to evaluate a screenplay. So every script that's entered gets evaluated on um, 50 points of analysis that are very similar to that, to that uh, green light checklist that we were just talking about. Um, it's slightly modified, but, but basically, basically uh, the same and um i don't know i think it'll be a really exciting contest to see who wins because um i I know i will want to read that screenplay and also it'll be exciting for that for that writer who wins because they get to um come out to la and you know do a a live table read of their contest or i'm sorry of their screenplay which will be really cool and um they also get uh, to pitch their screenplay to executives. Um, I don't know if it's been announced yet who those meetings will be with, but they get some um, some practice pitch sessions and then a real pitch to a production company. And they, um, yeah, they basically get the whole LA experience, right? So they get to come out and sort of um, be a part of Hollywood if they're not already here.
0: Oh, that's terrific! They
2: will yeah. love it.
0: Yeah. What more could you ask? I mean, that's exactly the thing to do is to give them a trip to L.A. and set up a, a meeting. This is wonderful.
2: Yeah, well, I think it's so important to, um
0: to if
2: you're at the stage in your career where you've, you've been writing a little while and you have, you know, screenplays that are, um, you know, that you're trying to get industry eyes on, access is one of the most valuable things you can get, right? So that's why the
0: grand prize for the contest is really built around that. Okay. Well, this is, takes us to my next question is what do readers look for in a script when they want to buy a script? What do they look for? Well, that is a very big question.
2: Um, And I have a lot of answers really, because it depends on what job that reader is doing, to be honest. So, you know, is that reader scouting material to develop at a production company? Um, And if so, which production company? Because each one will have a different, you know, taste or mandate of what they're supposed to be looking for. Um, So that's like one scenario that has a lot of different possibilities. And then a reader could also be working for an agency or a manager and considering writers for representation. And if that's the case, you know that will give them a you know a slightly different set of parameters of things that they're looking for. So um, it is it's a very big question. It really depends on who the reader is, not not on a personal level, but who the reader is in terms of who they're working for and what they've been told to look for. Um, and you know the the sort of cheeky answer to your question is what readers are looking for is always just a good story well told, but there's a lot of, there are a lot of other factors that go into how a reader considers a given script. So um, unfortunately the answer is, is it depends and the best thing you can do to sort of arm yourself is to research, right. And to know who you're submitting your script to and hopefully you're submitting it to someone who is, who is the right audience for your script. If you write, you know, if you write Westerns, and you're submitting your script to um, Blumhouse, who does mostly horror movies, you're probably in the wrong place, you know?
0: Right, right, right. Well, now, let's just follow the thread of people who are trying to get an agent. What would an agent be looking for? Could you tell us that when they read your script? If they want well, to I decide think, um, if they want to take you or not. Yeah,
2: definitely. So I think I think today... Um Probably the easiest uh, entry point to the industry is is actually a manager rather than an agent because agents have have really become um, salesmen right and I mean that in the best possible way like they know their they know their stuff and they when they have a client with a strong um, product, they get out there and they get it to the right people and hopefully it sells um, but if you are in in the position in your career where you're really just trying to break in uh, and sort of get your first representative, you're probably going to be targeting managers instead of agents because managers are a little bit more open to working with developing writers, with um, taking someone on who has potential but maybe doesn't quite have the right material yet. You know, managers come in a range of flavors also. So there are some who, who want someone who's ready to go. Of course, um, but there are some managers who are more open to um, finding people with potential and helping them develop as writers and sort of getting them ready to break into the industry. So I would say that's probably the entry point that um, that you're looking for if you're in that position in your career and those you know those managers are really looking for um, first of all, a command of of the basics, right? So are you able to write a well-structured script? And are you able to write a script that because it is well-structured and well-planned and well-executed, it moves us. It, it, It does something to our emotions, right? That's what we're always looking for. A script that doesn't reach us in some way is forgettable. So a script that you know, that is memorable is one that has a, an impact on you and has a lasting impact on you. Um, and so that comes from being able to um, sort of, you know, on the writer's end, being able to orchestrate a good story that, that has that emotional impact, you know, because um, we mentioned earlier that movies are, are sort of transformation machines, right? Their, their, uh, their they're stor- stories are about, transformative experiences and so the screenplay needs to have that baked in it needs to show us what that transformative experience is and um that transformative experience will hopefully convey you know a certain emotional experience as well so um i think that that's one key thing that people would look for that managers would look for in uh in good writing is something that moves you and then also what's what can be really important is a unique or a distinctive voice. It doesn't even have to be unique, but a voice in the writing that sets the writer apart, um, that doesn't feel generic or doesn't feel like every other script that that manager's read that week, you know, something that stands out a little bit. And I think that that's the the hardest thing to pinpoint because um, it's a little bit of that intangible quality but if you think about it in terms of, you know, you're creating a product. The writer is, is sort of himself or herself a product, but, but also um, is creating a product that's going to need to be taken to the market, right? And so what, what is it about a product that makes it stand out to you, a consumer? I think if you think in terms of, of that, you'll get a little bit of a stronger sense of, what a screenplay needs to do in order to get attention from a manager or really anyone in the industry. It's like it need it can't be it can't be the sort of store brand, you know? It needs to be something
0: a little bit
2: um it needs to have an appealing hook to it that, that sort of sets it apart from other products of, of that same type. Does that make sense at all?
0: Yes, I understand. That's great. Well, tell us, do you have any classes coming up soon? Oh, sure. We actually, let's see, we have
2: um, my next session of the Save the Cat online workshop begins on March 13th, so that's just a couple of weeks away. And, again, that's the five-week workshop that we do all online. Um, And then we'll have an in-person workshop in Los Angeles probably sometime this summer, so I'll teach that one. And then we have, I believe, a couple of New York weekend workshops scheduled, and I'm, unfortunately I'm not sure of the dates of those, but um, our, our other instructor, Ben Frame, he teaches the New York workshops, and I think there are a couple of those planned. And all of the dates uh, for the workshops can be found on the Save the Cat website. So that's
0: savethecat.com. So that will have all the details. Oh, this is great. Well, Now, how do people reach you? Uh, Let's see, they can find
2: me, I'm usually hanging around the Save the Cat blog, so also on uh, SaveTheCat.com. They can also find me on my, uh, let's see, I have a private Facebook group for screenwriters if anyone's interested in in finding a nice supportive community of writers. That's called Screenplay Lab. Um, And, yeah, that's probably the best place to get in touch with me. Well, uh, screenplaylab dot com is that it? Um, it's actually just a Facebook group, so if you're on Facebook, you can search for uh-huh. Screenplay Lab.
0: And it's oh, just a, on it's Facebook, it's a little online. group
2: okay. for writers.
0: Yeah. All right, that sounds terrific. And then to uh, they could reach you by Naomi at save the dot com. Uh, exactly. My let's see, my save the cat email address
2: u dot com because it's through Save the Cat University.
0: Oh, okay, com. Yes, yeah, okay. exactly. All right. Yep. All right. That's so terrific. Thank you very much for the information. We sincerely appreciate all you've taught us today. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Okay, Naomi, take care. Bye now.
1: Thanks. Bye-bye. Take Thanks, you, Claire. Claire. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Naomi. Great all right and also i just want to say to our yes indeed indeed and also i want to say to our listeners how grateful we are for the donations that you've given, given us from the heart Productions. Dot com to support our podcast Carol and I sincerely thank you and we'd love to hear from you with ideas for more shows what are some topics that you would like covered and who would you like interviewed just send your messages to us and we can look over them and it's always a pleasure to hear from you and hear your comments and see what things are of interest to you these days so be well everyone and thank you and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklen.com. That's david r a i k l e n.com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.